If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 169. I've always been interested in personal finance, and one of the things that's really stood out for me is just how far off the mark the average American, the average Canadian, you pick the country, any developed country, um, the stories really aren't great with people's finances. We're incredibly rich country, we're a very well-developed country, but if you go and look at the median American and where they sit, it's really quite shocking. You know, I mean, one of the stats that's interesting, American Psychological Association, um, money is people's number one stress. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Well, today is a Monday, and we've got another deep dive interview, and I'm excited to share it with you as there was a whole bunch of secrets to success um, that we dove into as I got to sit down and talk with Gordon Stein all about personal finance and financial wellness. He's the author of the book Cashflow Cookbook and talks all about these recipes of how we can find money that we already have or keep money in our pockets uh, that we already have earned and essentially just go through some of our spending and figure out how to whittle down the expenses without and I say without having to um, cut out the things that we love to do because that's such a, a a shocker for me in this conversation. So many times we hear like, oh, if we just, you know, stop drinking Starbucks or whatever, you'll save so much money. Well, Gordon shares with us all sorts of tips where we get to keep doing what we love to do and still save that money and reinvest. And through the advice uh, that Gordon shares, we could save up to half a million dollars plus by retirement just by doing some of these very simple and easy steps. Gordon also talks all about uh, mindset shifts and essentially how to remove limiting beliefs and that once we do that, 
we really see how we are limitless and that we have unlimited potential, whether that be in finance, whether that be in athletics, whether that be in anything in life. So make sure to stay tuned to uh, near the end of the show where he dives into some phenomenal advice all about mindset shifts. Um, Anyway, I'm very, very excited to share this conversation with you. I personally gained so much value and so much insight from it. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Gordon Stein. So, Gordon, first off, thank you so very much for joining me, and welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks so much, Nick. So, you are an international personal finance speaker, an author, and a financial wellness expert, which I think is a super cool title. You've recently uh, published your book, Cashflow Cookbook. Um, You've got the U.S. and the Canadian edition. And I want to dive into that. But first, I really want to just ask your opinion about and kind of dive right into the weeds. What's going on right now, you know, with with the economies, with the markets, everything seems that we're kind of like at all time highs uh, in real estate and in stocks and everything. You've got interest rate hikes happening. There's fear, you know, with downturn. And we've got this whole like rapidly raising inflation and I think everybody, mainly it's just me, but uh, maybe everybody is kind of trying to figure out what do we do with our money? How do we save it? How do we build wealth? And I think there's just a lot of confusion and some weird different narratives going on. So I'd love to hear. There, there was a whole whole bunch of uh, questions in that in that intro right there, but I'd love to hear kind of your advice on what people could be doing right now. Great. I, I think it's the same advice that I would give at any point in history. So if you look back on the S&P 500, which is a proxy for the overall U.S. stock market, since its inception, including dividends, it's returned over 10%. So if you did nothing but invest in the overall stock market from its inception, you'd be growing at 10% a year, which would far outpace inflation. Now, at any given point along the way, it looked like Armageddon pandemonium. You know, you can take so many situations going back to the wars breaking out, going back to 9-11, how we're looking at things. If you look at, excuse me, the 30% drop that we saw when COVID came out, and who knew where COVID was going to be? I mean, was this going to be the end of everything? You know, we're, we're going to lose you know, celebrities where we're going to lose the government to COVID. Who knew? Right. But the same thing happened, always happens. There was a downturn and things went up. And very often when something comes along um, and the market's going to expect a downturn, and that's actually not what happens. It leads to an upturn. So right now, you know, people are talking about what's happened with Russia and the Ukraine. So, you know, are they going to invade? Are they not going to invade? We don't know right now. So by the time this runs, <clears throat> that too will be history. If they do invade, history would say, yeah, there's probably going to be a drop down. And then we're going to come out of that and we're going to see a rise. There'll be a relief rally that follows. You know, if you hold Lockheed Martin stocks, you know, no doubt there's going to be a boom in in defense spending um, and so on and so forth. But everything that's happened all along the way, you know, when Donald Trump was elected president, you know, people said, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen to the stock market? You know, or when Biden gets in, the stock market's going to fall. Mm, you know what? <clears throat> Two different, le- very different leaders. And the stock market rose uh, over both the course of both of their presidencies. So we don't know. The answer is you want to have time in the market versus trying to time the market. 
And that I think is a powerful axiom and it's steady as you go. It's continuously investing, it's dollar cost averaging, all the old rules apply. And over the long haul, you're going to prosper. I love that advice. And, and it, you hear it so often. I've, if you can see behind me, I've got many books and, and I'm very interested in just reading on financing and, and essentially building my personal wealth into the future and, and trying to achieve financial freedom. And I think it was one of Tony Robbins' first book. I think it was Money Master the Game. And it talks about that same idea, the old principles, dollar cost averaging, um, getting into the markets. It's more about the time in the markets than timing the markets. And so the advice seems to be very similar, you know, over the years. And and I think it was even, was it was it Benjamin Franklin that wrote uh, The uh, Intelligent Investor or something like that, or like years and years ago? Um, and... There's so many, there's so many, like, I don't know, different things and, and uh, like, what's the, the cool new hip thing to do where if you stick with kind of the sound advice that has been proven over time, sometimes it's not as flashy or, or as cool or anything like that, but, but maybe that old advice maybe is the best path and maybe just, you know, sticking with, for instance, dollar cost averaging into the markets might be simply the best way to go. Yeah, I think I think that advice I've read uh, Tony Robbins' book is good. The Intelligent Investor, Benjamin Graham, another great book. Uh, I think people should read a personal finance book a month. Mine should be included in that, but there's lots of great ones out there. Um, and I think when you do that, you're going to start to get the mindset, and you're going to do well. I think you know the place I would differ is the business of you know people say, "Well, you've got a budget, and you've got to give up things that you love." You know. Um, and I don't think you do. I think that's where people miss out. I think people can be building wealth far faster than they do with really simple changes that anyone could do. And that's the thesis behind Cashflow Cookbook. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about, so you, you wrote this book, Cashflow Cookbook. Why did you write it? And then what do you think are like the best things that the readers should be getting out of it? And, and then I'm very interested to dive into some of these, what you call the recipes uh, within the cookbook. But first off, yeah, kind of why did you write it? Well, I've always been interested in personal finance. And one of the things that's really stood out for me is just how far off the mark the average American, the average Canadian, you pick the country, any developed country, um, the stories really aren't great with people's finances. We're incredibly rich country. We're a very well-developed country. But if you go and look at the median American and where they sit, it's really quite shocking. You know, I mean, one of the stats that's interesting, American Psychological Association, um, money is people's number one stress. Mm -hmm. You know, and you say, well, how can that be in a country like this? Um, you know, another one that's interesting is that 64% of Americans will retire with less than $10,000. Wow. If you wow. think about that, you know, the median uh, wealth at retirement is about $200,000. That's it. So $200,000 is, you know, obviously a, a good chunk of money, but not if you have to live on it for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I've seen all of these kinds of stats, you know, give you one more. The average car loan is now 72 months in the United States. Wow. And a third of the cars that come in for trade-in are financially underwater. So that debt gets added to the new debt and, you know, more interest gets paid and, and, you know, the incidence of buy now and pay later, even on small things. Now there's options where you can, you know, buy now, pay later on a 
on a $200 item. So as consumers, we're not winning. We're not doing well at all. And I think that's a shame because I think some really simple changes can make a difference. So the genesis of the book is, um, is really quite funny. I was in my car with a friend of mine and he spotted a car wash receipt on the floor of the car for, I think it was $13. And he said, geez, why would you spend money on car washes? And at the time I was an executive you know, earning hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't want to wash my car on the weekends. And he went on to explain that, you've, you know, you take this car wash and you can get a loyalty card from a gas retailer. And then you can save up your points and you can track them online. You can fill in a form and you get a free car wash. And I was just completely tuned out because I thought, how is this even going to matter? And then that same retailer had a little keychain dongle that connect to your, your credit card. So you touch the pumps to pay for your gas and your points are gathered automatically. And I just thought this is so slick. It's an easier way to pay for my gas. I don't have to dig out my credit cards in the wintertime and all this sort of thing. I thought, well, isn't that interesting? And it saved me about $25 a month. I stopped. I haven't paid for a car wash in years now since I got this little hack. <clears throat> so $25 for most of us isn't going to make any difference at all. But then I got one of these things from my spouse. So now as a householder saving $50. And not long after that, I heard this discounted home alarm monitoring company advertising on the radio. And I called them and turns out they're $25 a month cheaper. Connected to the police, works great. There's $75. And you know, my background is engineering and I've got an MBA and my intellectual curiosity ran away. And I started making a list of these kinds of hacks. And I said, minimum of $25. What are the hacks? Minimal effort, minimal sacrifice. So that grew to be a list. And then the list became a spreadsheet because I thought, well, what would these things be worth if we could invest this extra money out over time? Hmm. And so I took the spreadsheet. Um, I'll even hold it up for you. This is it. Um, I took the spreadsheet to my accountant and I said, this is massive amounts of money. Where's the errors on the spreadsheet? So he went through it all. He said, your math's good. This would make a great book. And everyone should read the book. So to this day, he gives the book out to his clients. Um, I wrote the book <clears throat> and uh, put it up on Amazon. And because I followed the principles of the book, I was able to retire early. And that's kind of backfired because now I'm speaking on the book. I'm writing new editions of the book and, and blogging uh, on the topics of the book at cashflowcookbook.com. So it's kind of taken over. And I really think it's a way that the average person or somebody who's below average from a financial perspective, or even people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, they can double or triple their wealth by just applying the principles in the book. There's nothing else to buy. There's no cryptocurrency. Uh, it's really just as simple as that. And that's how it, how it grew from there. Interesting. So, so it sounds like the basis is really about taking these little life hacks that that are available to everyone and implementing them so that we can keep more of that money that we earn and put it into our pocket and then ideally reinvest that so that that capital continues to grow and evolve with us as well. That's exactly it. And if you go back to, you know, Tony Robbins books or some of the other ones that we've both read, <clears throat> they'll often say, you know, save 10% of what you make. And there's nothing wrong with that advice. It's great advice. But when I talk to Americans and I talk to Canadians, I hear the same thing. People are making $50,000 a year, people are making $500,000 a year. They don't have the 10%. And, you know, whatever the lifestyle is they're running at, they tend to spend very close to or even beyond that lifestyle. So they can't free it up. So the advice is good, but getting there is hard. And so they'll say, well, you need to set a budget. And 
you know, I don't love setting a budget. I don't budget. I don't, I don't know who wants to budget. It leads to a lot of marital, marital discord if you do any kind of budgeting. Yeah. Or giving up things you love. Well, I don't want to give up the things that I love because I love them. So how do we do it? And that was the idea behind the book. It's really about getting something for nothing. And there's so many different ways of doing it. And many of these books, they'll talk about, you know, clipping coupons or making your own cleaning products or putting tinfoil on your windows to save on. That's preposterous. I don't know who's going to do any of that. So Cashflow Cookbook is all about ways of doing that, easy changes that you can make that make a remarkable difference in your wealth. Wow. Now that sounds, it sounds amazing. And, it, and definitely, it, it reminds me of little hacks that I've learned over the years. Um, interestingly, I find that very few people actually like to talk about finances. And, and I think it, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that we live in such um, wealthy countries, like we're obviously living in, in first world countries. But not everybody necessarily has figured out the game of finance because there is definitely kind of like a game that goes beyond it. There's there's a reason why some people are better at you know winning the game of Monopoly than others. Um, and and it, so yeah, I'm just trying to think of like why one is it that people don't talk about it more often, and and maybe it's because they haven't kind of figured out or they aren't maybe doing that well on their own and therefore they just try to avoid the conversation altogether. But one of the things that I was told when I was younger, I was actually by my grandfather and, and I thought it was amazing at the time. I had, I had, we would travel around, you know, going to events and doing things um, with just my debit card. And so I'm, you know, paying everything from cash because I'm, be, I'm being told that's the way to do it. You know, you pay from cash, whatever. And and I would just use up the money that I made, and and that was great. And then my grandfather was explaining, well, if you get a credit card, and and at the time I was told that you know credit cards are bad. That's how you go into debt and all this you know bad, scary stuff. So so I was avoiding it like the plague. And he was explaining kind of like what you're saying. Oh well, there's these credit cards that you can go and you get points, and you can use those points for air travel or different things like that. And then you just pay it off at the end of the month like you would your debit card, but you gain the points via your, your card. And obviously nowadays there's so many different credit cards out there that have so many different points and, and all sorts of different systems. But he was explaining how essentially he was getting, you know, like a free trip to Hawaii every year just by the points that he was gaining from, you know, groceries or whatever he was spending on anyway. And I've pretty much been able to take that when I, I don't know exactly if I was like 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there. Um, when I, when I first learned that and, and I've, been able to implement that and essentially get at least one flight uh, flight abroad somewhere, whether it be you know could be anywhere because uh, because we travel a fair amount. But I get like a, a free flight a year, um, and you know depending, it might even be like a free flight for my entire family. And and it really just goes to show that these hacks are available. And I don't even know if hack is the right term or not, but but I kind of like it. Where you're still using the same money. I'm still the money is coming out of my bank account. It's the same way, except I get these perks by using it this way. Do you know what I mean? And and obviously, as a precursor or or post cursor or whatever, be careful getting into credit card debt and just like going out and getting a credit card and then spending a whole bunch because because there is like there are downsides to using it uh, incorrectly, but if used correctly, there are obviously, you know, perks to it as well. So um, I love how th that you're kind of using that same analogy of, of using different, different 
I don't know, bonuses or hacks to, to kind of um, make the best out of all the opportunities that are in front of us? Yeah, the credit card one that you're using, I mean, I think it's a good example. That one's a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, the stat right now is that 70% of millennials carry an ongoing balance on their credit card. So that's at 20% or more, typically. So you can very quickly, not just erase those benefits, but wipe them out completely and actually drag yourself backwards. So for those people who have the discipline, yes, they're going to pay it off exactly every month. They're the people that credit card companies don't want. <laughs> you know, they're giving out these rewards because they, you know, they want people to carry a balance on there. It's probably the worst possible thing you can do in your finances, not pay your cards off every month. But if you have the, the discipline, yeah, you can, you, that's a great example of something you can win on. And you had no sacrifice in doing that. You got a huge benefit, no sacrifice. It's a great one. And I was surprised when I started this, um, how many they are and how big and just how powerful they are. It really is remarkable. Yeah. So what is, are you able to share with us maybe the, the biggest, um, I guess, downside or, or, or um, biggest downfall that you see people have within their finances? And then maybe the biggest upside that people are missing that is an opportunity that people aren't taking advantage of right now? The biggest downfall is just not freeing up enough money for good effect. So it depends on your situation. There's some people who are deeply in debt and I've had people say, I advocate for tracking your wealth, understanding what's your wealth. In other words, what do you owe? What do you own minus what you owe? That's your wealth. So um, people say, well, I don't want to do that because I think it might be a negative number. Well, all the more reason to do it. So the biggest downfall is people not freeing up the cash to pay down that debt that's pulling their finances backwards or the other downfall, if you don't have appreciable amounts of higher interest debt, you're not freeing up enough cash flow to invest and get that money working for you. And if you can do that, and if you can do that early in the game, you're going to free up your finances. And I find that's where people miss out because there's thousands of dollars a year that they could be investing uh, or paying down debt to improve their financial uh, condition. And the corollary, really, the people who do well that is people who are much, much smarter on their spending. And when you see people who are truly wealthy, particularly, you know, kind of old wealth, it's been the money, you know, the, the money's been there for generations, they view things very, very differently. And they, they buy much more mindfully and they spend wisely. They don't give anything up, um, but they really, they savor what they have. And they just think about all of these things very differently. Yeah. And there's all kinds of examples of that. I love how you're talking about um, tracking uh, your wealth. And and yeah, sometimes it can be scary, especially if it's a negative number. Um, but like what you said, even more importantly, if it is a negative number, it's better to figure that out so that you can get it under control and try and turn it into a positive number, obviously. Um, how often are you tracking? Is this like a, a monthly thing where, where you're doing a like uh, tracking what, what your income is versus, you know, debt, liabilities, assets, all that kind of stuff? I, I think it's a, one of the things I really recommend is that people start by making a simple wealth spreadsheet. They can download a template uh, from my site at cashflowcookbook.com. And really, it's very simple. It's everything that you own. So it's your home and your cars. I would say not things like furniture or clothing, because good luck trying to sell those. So it's these, these actual assets that you have at the top, you add them all up. And then below that, you have everything that you owe, your credit card debt, maybe student loans, uh, car loans, mortgages, what have you, line of credit. 
And then you have the total of what you own minus the total of what you owe, and that gives you your wealth. And then I think it's a great idea to start <clears throat> to track that monthly. So you're going to go pull off all your, you know, what's your car loan balance and everything else. It's not that onerous of a job to do. But I think when you do that, it really starts to change your headspace. And when you think about things like gamification that encourage you to think a different way about something, now you're actually thinking about your wealth. So a lot of people budget. If the budgeting works for them, that's great. But you can budget and make your budget number every year for month by month for 40 years and still end up with nothing. Right. Wealth doesn't lie. So if you're trying to lose weight, the scale doesn't lie and the measuring tape doesn't lie. Try to build wealth. You need to track your wealth. So I, that would be a really important first step for people. And then they're going to see the progress of what's happening. Then every decision that comes along, I think you're going to think a bit about it differently. So if you want to buy something, you know, for fun, you want to buy a new kayak or a guitar. Um, yeah. I think you're going to think a little bit differently. You're going to ask a couple more questions before you go ahead, because now you're thinking about, hmm, what's the impact going to be on my wealth? It doesn't mean you have to give up anything. And there's lots of examples of that, but it just means you think differently. So I think that wealth tracking, that's actually the second step that I would recommend. Okay. And then, so I, I love the idea of wealth tracking. Um, when you use the spreadsheet on your on your website, how long like does it take to fill out? Because for me, um, I definitely I know I'm supposed to do this monthly. I probably do it more like yearly uh, because I, I probably get a little lazy thinking that it takes too long. With your spreadsheet, how long does it take to fill that out? It depends how many line items you have. So Fair if enough. all you have is a house and a mortgage, it's pretty quick. You got two numbers. So um, if you sort of set up your information where you can get at it quickly. Yeah. So if you have a mortgage repayment schedule, you'll know what the balance is every month and you can get that balance these days with everything that's on the web. Um, so, I mean, it shouldn't be onerous. You can do it on the back of a cocktail napkin. You can do it in a spreadsheet. You can get fancy. There's lots of online tools to do it. Um, but I mean, I would say it's, it's maybe 20 minutes, you know, for a typical person or, or probably even less um, you can even do it pro forma. You can sort of say, okay, I know what my mortgage is going to run. I know what's going to happen with my car loans, my home loans, whatever. And so you're going to see that happening. And maybe you've got a company stock plan or some of these other things. And things are naturally moving in a good uh, place if you set mm -hmm. them up in that direction. So can you pay off the mortgage more rapidly? You see that balance declining. House prices are taking off all across uh, the United States now. So last year, typically about 15%, depending on where you live. Well, there's great news. So you got an, an asset that's inflating over time. Even cars, used cars have gone up 40%, believe it or not, in the last year. So that's good news. You put that in your spreadsheet and you're seeing your wealth start to grow. Yeah. So in... in I do. I definitely want to talk with you about uh, your your view on on real estate and purchasing a home or or an investment or something like that. But but first, I guess before we dive into that, because I'm gonna get sucked into to that rabbit hole. Um, what do you think is the number one um, opportunity? We'll say for for increasing one's wealth, whether that be you know saving money or or using points or different things like that. What what do you think is the number one that that people are missing? Like, is there a number one or is it kind of like all these things combined? It's all these things combined. So there's a million individual decisions. So I'll give you a couple of trivial ones and then I'll get into the real heart of it, I think. So behind me, Nick can see and your listeners can't see, but I've got a wall full of guitars um, and I love them. They're beautiful. I love playing them. I'm, I'm not 
great. I'm not even good as a guitar player, but it's one of my passions. So behind me is a uh, Fender Stratocaster. It's a, it's a beautiful guitar. And to get one out of a store would be about $2,500 or more, depending on the taxes where you live. So um, I paid $1,000 for it. And the interesting thing with musical instruments and the Fender Guitar Company, their quote is that 97% of people who buy a guitar give up in one year. Hmm. So everybody wants to be Eddie Van Halen, but when you start, you realize it's nowhere near as easy as it looks. It's a lot of dedication and it's a lot of time. Well, that represents an unbelievable opportunity. So you could go on Craigslist or, you know, uh, OfferUp or any of the, you know, marketplace kinds of uh, things, eBay. And what you'll see is that um, electric guitars or even acoustic guitars, they typically sell for well under half of their uh retail price hmm. and they are pristine because what does anyone do with a guitar unless you're smashing it like a rock star um, it, it probably looks great so finding a pristine guitar for less than half the price is a great example you know here's another silly one that'll get into some real practical ones so i make uh, protein shakes uh, every day and one of my ingredients in my protein shake is spinach so i would buy fresh spinach and it's just me making the spinach and the protein shakes so it goes bad. I probably threw out half the spinach that I bought because in about four days, it's going to start getting funky. I can't put it in my shake. And I rolled like this for, I don't know how many years with the fresh spinach and throwing it out and feeling bad about that. And then the penny dropped, why don't I just get frozen spinach? So I get these little bags of frozen spinach. You want the cold factor in the shake anyway. I'd sprinkle it in and away we go. Well, what I realized is I chopped my spinach cost in half because I'm not throwing it out. But frozen spinach is one-seventh the price of fresh spinach. Hmm. So my spinach is one-fourteenth the cost of what I was paying. Now, nobody cares about spinach. You know, what is it? You know, a couple dollars a week or something. But the principle of the thing applies to just about everything, right? So where should people start with this thing? I like going after these recurring monthly bills. So first thing I, I like to do uh, when I'm working with clients or, you know, talking with the media is the idea of setting up a separate account that's a bill payment account. So we all have these monthly bills, the mortgage and the various flavors of insurance, car insurance, home insurance, the cell phone bill, the TV bill, the internet bill. Typically we've got about a dozen of them. And I like the idea of having them all get paid out of a separate account because it solves the problem of, you know, overdraft, you know, particularly in a situation where you have a couple, they're both, you know, buying and, and different things and the bills are coming out of the account. You never know, you know, it's the 28th of the month. It looks like there's money. So you go buy your new iPhone. Oops, you know, the mortgage came out. The T-Mobile bill came out. So you keep all those in a separate account. That's a really good step to make, okay? So you split your income. You have it going to two accounts. So this regular monthly bill paying account, every single one of those monthly bills from your house taxes to your car insurance, your home insurance, your life insurance, your cell phone bills, they are all can be reduced, and unbelievably easily. And in about 10 hours, you can reduce every single one of them in a very <laughs> material way. And most people don't bother. They don't think about it. They don't try. And there's no yelling. There's no screaming. There's no haggling. There's no nothing. They're all easy to do. In the book, Cashflow Cookbook, I talk about bill by bill, um, 60 of them. How do you grind all these things down? Minimal effort, minimal time. But it makes a huge difference. So you start to make these changes. And I think the first place to start is you pick a bill and you reduce the bill. So I'll give you a great example. 
during the Super Bowl, uh, this past one a year ago, it was a company called Zebra, and they were advertising heavily. Uh, they were a car insurance and home insurance shopping site. You might remember the site. So I don't get any payment from Zebra, but there's Insurify and Zebra. <clears throat> and um, to go and shop your car and home insurance, honestly, it's maybe 15 minutes. And when you start typing in your information, for whatever reason, they actually seem to know who you are and your cars and everything else. Um, and it's not unusual to save $200 uh, on your car insurance if you have two or three drivers in the house. It takes 15 minutes. Hmm. Now, if you think about, well, does that matter? Yeah, it really does matter. If you could free up $200 um, over 25 years, that's about $170,000 if you invested it at 7%. So think about what just happened. If the average American retires with $200,000 of wealth, it wouldn't go online in 15 minutes and reshop your car insurance and typically save $200. So you have an extra $170,000. In 15 minutes, you can attain the wealth of the average American doing nothing else but reshopping your car insurance. Wow. So you see why I get so passionate about it. And that's just one bill. Let's go reshop the life insurance. And so sometimes it's about conserving. So, you know, finding ways to reduce electricity and gas. And there's easy ways to do that in a home, all those kinds of bills. Other bills are ones where you want to shop, things like cell phones and different kinds of insurance. These days, it's so easy to reshop these things. And I can't stress enough. There's no strong arm tactics. There's no yelling. There's no haggling. There's nothing. You're just going to reshop them. Other ones, you're going to change the paradigm a little bit. So, you know, great example, uh, we're talking about music earlier. So if I wanted to take uh, piano lessons or guitar lessons, I might spend $200 a month doing that. Well, there's some fantastic instruction available for more like $200 a year. So my son's a big keyboard player. He's on something called Piano Pig. It's $200 a year. He gets expert instruction. He can go back and watch the lesson five times. It's got chord charts and fingering charts and, you know, drills and metronome things to all kinds of things, $200 a year. Hmm. So some of these things are about changing that paradigm, but you can take all of these things and you can grind them down. So just as an example, uh, in the opening section of my book, there's a couple and we're looking over their shoulder as they make all of these changes and they free up a million and a half, but they, they generate an extra million and a half of wealth at retirement by making changes. You can go back and read the whole section again and see just that, that's going to give them another million and a half. The answer is, yeah, it's that powerful. Wow. Wow. It, I mean, it's almost like blowing my mind to even think how, how many little things and little changes that, that I could definitely make, but probably we could all make um, that would drastically change and differ your wealth at the end of a lifespan. Um, so this is, this is truly incredible. And, and previously we were talking about, uh, real estate and, and how I knew I was going to go down that well, cause I'm, I'm definitely passionate about real estate as well. Um, we're talking about credit cards and, you know, obviously having, you know, high interest rates and different things like that. Um, where is your opinion or, or thought on leverage and leveraging, using credit as leverage for different purchases, obviously including real estate. And, and we'll kind of get into that with a mortgage and different things like that as well. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I've got some, some follow-up questions with that, but we'll start off with just kind of what's your opinion on using leverage? 
well, I think there's there's two kinds of leverage broadly. I mean, one is if you're going to um, use leverage to acquire an appreciating asset, you know, that can make sense. If you're going to use leverage to acquire a depreciating asset, like a consumer product, a fancier car than you should be driving, whatever, that never makes sense in my mind because now you've got, you know, a car it's going to depreciate at 15 or so percent a year, um, and you're paying a car loan at whatever it may be, 7%, and you're paying that out of after-tax money, which means you're actually paying more like 10% on that car loan to buy an asset that's also depreciating as well. That's like a nightmare. So if you're going to um, borrow money for an appreciating asset, you know obviously you can magnify your gain. It, of course, is a double-edged sword. So if the asset happens to fall, there's a real estate crash or you know the cryptocurrency scheme that you had didn't play out or, you know, the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens that you bought for a picture of somebody's cat actually isn't worth anything down the road. <laughs> now it's going to look ugly. But I think on those, you've got to really do some solid analysis on, you know, what it is you're doing. And you got to remember that everything can go down. Nothing goes up forever. Um, and you need the staying power and it needs to fit in your own risk profile. So uh, it also becomes very personal. You know, I mean, when you get into that question of do I pay down my mortgage or do I invest the money? You know, you, you got to look at the numbers and the numbers will tell you, you know, what's the difference on that return. There's a big, big psychological part. I love the feeling of not owing anything. I mean, to me, that's worth a lot. And if you pay off a debt, that's a sure thing in terms of a return. So if you pay off a credit card that has a 20% interest on it, um, depending on your tax bracket, that's effectively like... Uh, um, buying a 25% government bond, which would be the biggest no-brainer in the world. Who wouldn't want that deal, right? Right. So I think, you know, you got to think a little bit about leverage that way. You got to think about what you're comfortable and it's got to fit in with the rest of your risk profile. So as an example, you really would need the context of the individual. So let's say you've got someone who's been a lifetime uh, government worker and they have a defined benefit pension coming out. So they're guaranteed to make X dollars a month for the rest of their life. And um, they've got a spouse who's a doctor with a great income and so on and so forth. Yeah, you've got a lot more room. You could you could take some risk. Somebody who doesn't have that, you sure don't want to be in a situation where your plan doesn't play out. And now you're 65 and no one wants you from an employment perspective. And, you know, the, the great plan didn't work. So right. I think it's I think it's not that hard to build wealth. Uh, in fact, I think it's pretty easy to build wealth, as we're going to see as we get into the conversation. But um, you know, you sure don't want to sign yourself up for more risk than you need. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the idea of one assessing your risk profile, probably including you know your age, your occupation, all that kind of stuff in there as well. And then two, the fact that you just. Uh, very clearly explain the differences between, you know, usually using leverage for a depreciating asset, such as, you know, going out and buying a huge screen TV on a credit card at a 20% interest rate or something like that, um, versus buying maybe a, a real estate property that, that could be a rental that's actually making cash flow or, or is appreciating and, and different things like that, as well as the fact that being aware that Every, everything goes, you know, in cycles, it's all cyclical. So just because it's going up right now doesn't mean that it's going to go up forever or indefinitely. So just being aware of all those different things, um, 
having the knowledge that, you know, leverage used properly can be an, a very beneficial uh, advantage. If used incorrectly, it, you know, it, it, it makes the fall that much quicker and that much harder. So, um, yeah, I, I love that advice. This has been super cool. It, something that you did mention about um, with with age and risk and stuff like that within your book, the um, Cash Flow Cookbook. Does the advice differ for someone like a millennial or a Gen Z or something like that versus like a baby boomer? Um, because Cash Flow Cookbook isn't really about investing per se. The whole focus of the book, it really has one focus, and that is how you free up cash for more debt repayment or for more investment. So for that reason, it doesn't change. The specific examples um, and ones that are on my blog on the website and ones that are in the book, um, the whole idea is it's like a smorgasbord to carry the food analogy. So you may look at it and say, you know, I really don't care about that. You know, as an example, I did a blog post. I'm hearing impaired, so I wear hearing aids. <clears throat> Lost my hearing early. I don't know if it was from the guitar playing. Um, <laughs> so everyone knows that hearing aids are about $7,000. That's a lot of money, and a lot of people put off buying them because they're expensive. Yeah. Um, mine were free. Well, how do you do that? So I did some research, and you know, I did a little bit of shopping around. It didn't take very long, $7,000, $7,000. And I was at Costco, and I said, well, you know, what's the story in the hearing aids? And uh, they said, well, uh, they're $1,500. Well, that's cheap. So, you know, $3,000 for a pair, that's less than half of everyone else. They said, no, no, no. She said, no, dear. She says they're $1,500 for the pair. And I Hmm. said, well, are they any good? And, you know, she shows me the box. They're Apple compatible. So they're, you know, Apple's approved them to work directly with iPhones. Um, I've had them for four years now. They work fantastic. But Costco just rebuilt the model. So it's dramatically cheaper. Wow. And, I was in Canada at the time. There's a people don't realize there's a health benefit of $500 a year that the government gives you towards your hearing aids. And given that I have the two ears, that's $1,000. <clears> and then I did what no one ever does. I opened my company benefits booklet to see what's actually in there. And lo and behold, there was a hearing aid benefit for $500. So what was going to be a $7,000 expense was $0. So it's, it's in everything imaginable. We, uh, that was my second most popular blog post. The most popular one was on vodka. So my wife and I were curious, is there actually a difference in vodka? And I've always said, well, yeah, give me, you know, a gray goose and a da 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 I thought, well, let's go find out. So we set up cups and had my stepdaughter fill them. So nobody, it was all double blind. Nobody we knew it was in the mm-hmm. cup, one through five. It went from hyper premium vodka to the cheapest swill they had at the liquor store. And we had tasting notes and we, you know, started, went through and it was not easy to tell, but I started to say, okay, I think this one's a little bit smoother. This one feels a little bit harsher. And so I have my notes and then we worked backwards, you know, five through one. And what I realized is, you know, the ones that I thought weren't my favorite on the second or third taste, actually, they were the ones that I preferred. It was completely random. And so we did a blog post right up on it. Same thing happened with my wife. She reached the same conclusion. So we've stopped with premium vodka. But, you know, there's so many, um, you know, things to get into. Uh, to give you one other example, it's an interesting one is I have a prescription drugs that I need to take uh, every month. And so they were prescribed to me and I did what everyone does. I walked out of the doctor's office into the local pharmacy. There's one right there. I think it was a Walgreens. So um, she looks at the prescription. She goes, yeah, these, I said, how much are they? It's $112 a month. 
And I thought, given I have to take these for the rest of my life, that's kind of a lot of money, $112. I said, that's a bit expensive. She says, oh, well, you should get our, our drug card. I said, how's that works? Because you get the drug card, they're only $63 a month. I thought, okay, how much is the drug card? It's $20 a year. Well, that's the easiest piece of finance. So I'm a yeah. genius. So I do this, I get them. And I was having dinner with my brother-in-law. I was telling him the story. He says, no, 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 no. He says, you've got to get them at GoodRx. Because what's that? He says, it's an online pharmacy. So I go check it out at GoodRx and they were drastically cheaper. I think they were something like $25 a month. Wow. And I thought, well, this thing is just dropping like a rock. So I start doing some more research. And, um, and they'll differ depending on what drug and which company. So this example won't hold and the prices have probably changed, but the concept works. I found this thing called Blink Health. And you go on Blink Health, uh, blinkhealth.com. I don't get a, a fee from them. Um, and here's the, the drug that I need. There's $7 a month delivered to my house. Wow. So, so I did a blog post, how I saved 96% on my prescription drugs. It, this stuff is everywhere and it takes no effort. In fact, it's easier. I don't drive to the pharmacy to get my pills. I just sit here playing my guitar and the pills show up every month. That's saving me another $100. Wow. <clears throat> it really is. And, and so once I start into it and I start to find all these things, gather them up, put them in the blogs, put them in the book, um, and, and people can easily retire. I mean, one of the keynote talks that I do at conferences and at companies is zero to 1 million in 60 minutes. So in 60 minutes, I show them how to add a million dollars to their wealth just as easy as the kinds of things that we've been talking about. And I think it's something that every American needs to know and, and dramatically change their finances. Just that easy. Wow. It's, it's mind blowing how simple you're explaining this, like how many things, and I wonder, it really makes me think like, I wonder how many things that we pay for that if we put in a little bit of effort, you'd be able to get it for significantly cheaper. And I also think like your example with the, with the, with the medication and the pills, how you were able to like, Oh, well you found a, you found a shortcut to make it cheaper. And then you found another one to make it cheaper. And then you found another one to make it like that much cheaper. And it's like, wow, I wonder how much of this exists for everything. And, and I almost, I'm almost thinking like, if we're if we're going ahead and writing out, you know, our our monthly wealth reports of our assets versus liabilities and stuff like that, whether we should do the same with income and expenses, and and essentially figuring out where all the expenses are, and then figuring out which ones can we try to hack to make you know to decrease whatever that spending is on on that expense. This is super, super cool and very interesting how you've kind of come across this. Well, it is. And so, you know, what I did in the book, um, so one of the uh, markets that I do a lot of work with financial advisors, so speaking to their clients and showing them how to free up cash flow. Um, and so what will happen is the financial advisor will give a copy of cash flow cookbook to the client with some stickies and say, okay, take this home, mark it up, you know, put stickies on all the pages, come back and tell me how much more you want to free up. And, and typical $500, $1,000, but that makes a massive difference. I mean, five, if you had something like um, even $400 invested 7% over 40 years is a million dollars. And so people say, well, that's, you know, 40 years. And I often, you know, I, I'll speak to 20 year olds at a college and university and they go, well, in the Q&A, they say, well, 40 years, I mean, 40 years from now. I said, how old are you? And they say, well, I'm 20. I said, well, I'm 60. Trust me. 
At 60, you'd be real happy that you have that extra million dollars. You'd rather have it than not have it. Anyway, so in the book, on each of these recipes, you know, I'll give it a worked example of exactly how to do it and how much you'll save monthly and what's that worth after 10 years and 20 years. And then there's a little worksheet where you fill in your own numbers. And so you may say, well, that's preposterous. That wouldn't work for me. I don't have prescription drugs. So in that case, you just skip the whole recipe, no problem. But there's 60 recipes in the book. I'll guarantee you're going to five, five, find five or six that'll free up a lot of money and add to a lot of wealth. And um, so you'll fill those in and then you can go through section by section and see which of them work for you um, and add dramatically to your wealth. Gordon, this is amazing. I'm absolutely loving this and I can't wait to get my hands on the cash flow cookbook and fill this out myself. Um, I'm going to move us on to the next segment of the show that I call the fire round, but I have been gaining so much value and insight from you. It's, it's mind blowing to me, just like how much, how much cash I could probably free up by just making these little changes. Um, but in the fire round, uh, these are a couple quick questions that I ask all of my guests. And the first question is, Gordon, do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? Um, yeah, I love the one, it's an old one, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Wow. I think that may have been Henry Ford. It's, uh, I'm not certain, but I think it is. And it's definitely also one of my favorite quotes because, man, the power of the mind is, is infinitely powerful. And, and I love that quote as well. Um, other than your own cash flow cookbook, what might be a favorite book or current book that you're reading? Oh boy, there's so many, um, so many interesting ones. I love uh, Stanley Bing. So um, he's a writer. He used to write in the uh, the back page of Fortune magazine. He's my all time favorite writer. So anything uh, by him is terrific because his writing is just delicious. Every sentence uh, is is great. Um, whether you're interested in his business topics, so he's got you know, novels that he's written. They used to do a column in Fortune magazine. Uh, but if you want to see an example of great writing, I think he's one of my all-time favorites. Awesome. I will definitely check that out. And uh, if you actually, what might be a recent uh, lesson that you've learned, Gordon, whether it be through a mistake, through success, or just something that you've learned uh, uh, somewhat recently? I think um, it kind of goes back to this idea of the power of the mind. I think you know, people often say when I, you know, I'm on podcasts with people and, and, you know, I've got my background with all the guitars or people talk about running or any of these things. And people say they have these limiting beliefs, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, that's it's amazing. You've run three marathons. I'm just not a runner. Or they say, oh, I wish I had musical talent. It would be so okay. I have nothing. I have none of those things. I was a uh, I was a non-runner and I just thought it'd be really cool to run a marathon. And so I saddled up and I set a goal and I applied for the New York city marathon back in 1992 and I did it. And I was a complete non-runner. It just, everything can be changed that you want to change in your life. You know, people say, Oh yeah, no, I know skim milk's healthier, but I'm a whole milk person. You're not a whole milk person. You're a person who's been drinking whole milk and you've got into that habit. So <clears throat> I think, you know, the sort of thing that we're talking about with, um, personal finance, I'm amazed and I'm fascinated what you can do with the body and the mind that you've been given. There really are no limits uh, whatsoever. 
And so I, I find that I learned that lesson over and over again. Things that you're afraid of, things that you can't do, things that you think you're too old for. The number of people who say, oh, I'm 60, I, you know, I can't do it. You know, I love ski racing. I'm heading off to do a Super G, a GS and a slalom uh, race this coming weekend. And I'm 60 years old. Well, why not? You know, I, I you know, have this dream of playing the guitar. You can play the guitar. You can do anything that you want to do. People just, they, they limit themselves in so many directions. And I guess, you know, what I learn and I relearn uh, over and over again, that all of these things are possible. And it applies to little things, you know, and in the book, one of the things I talk about, it, about is, you know, if you have a problem with an appliance, there's so many videos out there, you can solve anything, you know? So it's true of everything to do with money. It's true of fitness. It's true of diet. It's true of exercise. It's true of mental state. All of these things, as humans, it's we're, we're limitless, we're boundless, and people need to grab that. So that's an ongoing lesson I learned. Gordon, that might be the best thing that I've ever heard on this podcast. I absolutely love it, and I'm a huge fan of the power of the mind and and eliminating um, limiting beliefs. And and you're completely correct that anybody can do anything at any age. Um, and that we truly are limitless and, and filled with unlimited amounts of potential. We just have to start in the mind with a belief that we can do that. And, and yeah, again, whether you be 60 year old and, and ski racing, which that is amazing. Um, my father-in-law, he's, I don't know, he's not quite 60 yet, but he's getting close there and he's still like competing, uh, in freestyle and all sorts of different stuff. And, and I definitely applaud people that, have no age, uh, age limits. Do you know what I mean? I actually, I taught kayaking cause I've taught so many people in it and I've also heard so many people say like, Oh, well I'm too old to learn to kayak. I taught like a 72 year old woman who just wanted to get into it cause her son was into it. And she rocked and just started learning at 72. And it just reminded me that anybody can do anything at any age. And so, yeah, I, I love that. That's, arguably one of the best pieces of advice ever. So thank you so very much for sharing that. Gordon, one of my favorite questions that I get to ask everybody is, if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, so your books that you've written, all the, the blogs, the financial advice, everything that you've done up to now was to disappear with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths three things that you believe to be true that you'd love to share with either friends, family members, or just loved ones or next generations, what might those three truths be? Um, I would say the first one is to be all that you can uh, because it's, it's really remarkable. Um, and then the second one I think is to really appreciate all that you have because I think people miss that one a lot. And the big one that I've really come to um, probably more later in life, and that is to help others. So it sounds cliche, it sounds all of those things, but the joy that comes when you can help somebody, and it might be you know, something where they're really in trouble and you're gonna step in and help, um, or it might be you're gonna help somebody to unlock a part of their life that they never appreciated. Maybe you're teaching somebody to kayak who had the dream, they never thought they could do it. Um, but the joy that come and for me, you know, helping people with their finances, you know, just like in this conversation, I'm seeing your eyes light up and we're excited about what we can do. I know you're going to go back and apply these things to your, your own finances, 
So it might be about money. It might be um, about uh, getting out of a loveless relationship into one, you know, where you're really uh, loved, or it might be helping somebody to reach a new star that they never thought was possible. So those are the things that I live by. And I think that um, they're all so, so important. I think people underplay all three of those. And I think that's tremendous opportunity. Wow. Again, thank you so very much, Gordon, for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience. So much great advice has been uh, dropped in this conversation, and I've had an absolute blast. Like what you said, I can't wait to implement so much of this into my own life. Um, Something that I always try to do as much as I can, Gordon, is because I gain so much insight and value from getting to talk with you and, and this conversation is I try to provide as much value as I can as well. So is there something that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help you out personally, or possibly even my listeners? Um, just getting the word out to your listeners, you know, um, I do speaking engagements. So it might be something in their companies on financial wellness, you know, I do live and virtual speaking engagements. Um, the Canadian and the US edition of Cashflow Cookbook up on Amazon. Uh, so they're available there. There's Kindle editions as well. Um, and if people want to reach out to me, if you go to cashflowcookbook.com, you can uh, reach out, send me an email. You know, love to hear how you're using the book or you've got other ideas, you got questions, you got suggestions. Um, I try to answer as many things as I can. Um, so yeah, let's let's keep the conversation going. And if you wanted to apply some of these things, we'll come back and do a, another episode and see what kind of a difference you're able to make to your wealth. I love that. I think we're going to have to do that. Gordon, again, thank you so very much. I highly encourage everyone, go check out Cashflow Cookbook. If you guys want to uh, bring in Gordon for a speaking engagement within your company or something like that, check him out and reach out at cashflowcookbook.com. For anybody that would like to reach out uh, or for anybody that would like to follow along your journey and maybe connect a little further with you, Gordon, uh, what might be the best way for them to connect online? Sure. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to my blog, cashflowcookbook.com. And on Cashflow Cookbook, there's some other areas of interest as well. There's a blog. And then there's a section I call ingredients, lots of cooking puns. In ingredients, there are all kinds of providers that you can use to take advantage of some of the kinds of things that we're talking about, insurance comparisons, sites, et cetera, et cetera. Another section called utensils, where you can download things that are helpful, scripts for talking to your cell phone companies about your pricing or, you know, uh, wealth tracking sheets, that kind of thing. Uh, you can also follow Cashflow Cookbook on social media. So it's either Cashflow Cookbook or where they don't allow enough characters, it's Cashflow Cookbook uh, <laughs> without the end, but you'll find it if you do a search on it. And you can reach out to me on the website uh, if you're looking for a speaker for an event um, on financial wellness or, you know, freeing up more cash, building wealth, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll continue the dialogue for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much again for your time, Gordon. For anybody out there that wants to continue to follow along further, follow Gordon uh, pretty much everywhere at Cashflow Cookbook uh, or check him out on his blog, on his website, cashflowcookbook.com. Um, again, thank you so very much for sharing all this insight with us. My final question of the day for us, Gordon, is what is your definition of awesome? Um, this podcast, I listen to a bunch of the episodes. I, I think, you know, so many of the speakers you've had on here, they're really all coming to the same point of, 
you know, if I had to pick a theme, it's, it's you can do more than you think you can do. And you've had so many people on here. Um, it's about this broadening. Uh, and, and that's what it's about. And awesome is anyone who helps people to get to that point to, to be all that they can be. Uh, by helping them to realize their potential. That's awesome. What you do is awesome, Nick. Thank you. Well, thank you so very much. I'm I'm uh, honored that you were able to kind of get that out of listening to some of the episodes. That's definitely something that I am trying to do is just trying to encourage others to, to reach for the potential that we all have. So uh, just trying to share some insight and, and bring on incredible speakers like yourself. Again, I gain so much value personally from it, and I hope my listeners out there are gaining as much value as I am. If you guys are, please, I highly encourage you guys to share this out with someone that you think might need to hear it, uh, whether it be a student, whether it be someone retiring, anybody that you think might need to hear how that they can continue their financial um continue their path to financial freedom build their financial wealth and save on all these expenses that we are currently just paying regardless so lots of amazing advice in here i would love for you guys to share it out with anybody that you think might needs to hear this and please um leave us a rating and review and let me know what you guys thought of the episode as well as uh check out gordon's book cash flow cookbook as this is going to have all the recipes in here and all the all the great advice uh, that we dived deep into so thank you guys so very much for joining me thank you as well gordon and as always i am nick troutman signing off wishing you all a truly awesome day cheers Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.